from the Bedlam Podcast Network. This is a tiny revolution. Celebrating our everyday stories while having the conversations and telling the stories that actually matter. My name is Kevin Garcia, and today we're doing something different. We're going to have a conversation that I think actually matters. If you have not been listening to... Um, this one, this episode's not going to be produced at all. I'm literally just sitting in my bedroom recording some thoughts and um, some feelings and some general thought, like general confusion. Not No, I'm not really confused and just dumbfoundedness, um, pain, hurt, so... Bear with me, if you will. Um, if you were watching the news at all, you knew that at UVA in Charlottesville, Virginia, this past weekend, there was a rally of white supremacists um, coming together and proclaiming a agenda of hate. And there are so many people who were saying that they were not surprised. There were no. There's many, plenty of my friends and especially people of color were saying that they weren't surprised with this, but so many white people were just like, this is not my America. I'm, I was so shocked and surprised by all this stuff. And I, I don't, I don't know because like, I'm not surprised at all. I am not surprised in a country where we can elect a president like this, that there is a white supremacist group that feels emboldened to not only show up to a college campus uh, with torches and no hoods on, but their faces fully out in public. But um, I'm uh, I'm I'm what I'm surprised is that people are surprised. I guess because honestly, it's it's not surprising any of it. It's not surprising that when the highest office in the land is occupied by a white supremacist, and I say that because it matters that in, in matters of oppression, when you stay silent, you side with the oppressor. So yes. The highest, la- the highest office in the land is occupied by a white supremacist. And that a group of folks who fear losing power will stand up with the loudest of voices and make themselves known. It's not surprising. Not even with masks on anymore. White supremacy is now bold enough to show up barefaced before the world. And we can see it in all of its naked humanity. And none of it is surprising. I mean, I mean, think about it. The world was dominated by white people and there were systems created to keep white people at the top. And it's taken us how many thousands of years of existing to find language to describe the system we've been working in and under. And only in the past few centuries and decades have we found language and ability to start dismantling it. So white friends, if you were listening, if you're listening to this and you were shocked by what happened in Charlottesville, I have to tell you, you have not been paying attention. And this is not a knock to you. This is not me telling you that you should do better. But this is an invitation. This has been the reality for people of color. And since white settlers decided to cross the Atlantic and manifest a destiny that God never gave them. Since white settlers plundered India and Africa and Australia and all other parts of the world. And in my country, it's played itself out in slavery. It's played itself out through Jim Crow, segregation, the KKK, lynching, voting, disenfranchisement. And now it's beginning to take kind of a new shape in the form of cops who can shoot black people and face no charges in the shape of white terrorism and calling itself the alt-right. In the shape of a president who is concerned more than anything about people... No, not people. He only cares about himself. Yeah, when he should be caring about the most vulnerable people in society. 
and honestly like and if you voted for that man i'm gonna i'm gonna say this is partly on you i'm not giving a pass to anyone not my friends or family who believes that donald trump is any form of good or decent or someone who is worthy of leading this country because he's never going to announce any of this because this chaos benefits him and yes donald trump is loved by god as we are all beloved by god but that doesn't mean he is beyond reproach um as none of us are but him especially good god and I'm not here to blame this entirely on the president either, because this is not a problem specifically with our president. This is a problem with all of us. This is a societal problem that has survived by sheer force of will. And nice, moderate people who stand by and say nothing. People who are willing to simply benefit from a system that they're either blind to or they refuse to name because knowing our own complicity makes it all the more painful. But when my friends text me and say that they feel drained because they know that their skin color makes them a target, when my friends tell me that they're exhausted trying to explain why racism is still a thing to a white person who keeps saying not all white people are like that, when my friends tell me that they are angry but they can't display it because they have to be the strong ones, they have to be the nuanced one, because if they display any form of anger, they're going to play into a stereotype of an angry black person. It's, I, I'm at a loss in some ways because part of me wants to take action to go just fight and do and be the ally to all of my friends of color, but I know that my place is not always to, you know, get my pitchfork and run to the front lines, but to stand with and beside my friends of color. So that's where I am today. And I wanted to point out a few things to you that you probably already know, but maybe you can take some of these as some talking points for you and your friends. Um... I saw, and just some observations I had on social media um, from other people. Some folks, um, white people specifically, were saying like they were comparing like a Black Lives Matter march to this alt right display of white terrorism, saying that they're the same thing. People demonstrating free, that people were just demonstrating free speech. And I want to push back on that because sure, both sides might be demonstrating free speech, but what they are saying is totally different. One side is looking to preserve the rights of people who have historically been left to the wayside and been pushed down to the bottom of the barrel, and one side is looking to kill them. One side is looking to say that black lives matter, that justice matters, that we all matter, white folks included, and we can create a better tomorrow together, and one side is looking to preserve a reality where people of color are still under the boot of the empire. One side is speaking life, the other side is speaking death, and in this case, someone actually died. A young woman died yesterday. Someone took a car, rammed it through the crowd. Lots of folks were injured, and that's not free speech. That is terrorism. When people show up with military-grade weapons, when people show up with torches, can you imagine? Can you imagine what it would be like if we showed up to a Black Lives Matter march like that? If we showed up with torches and guns, we would be arrested on the spot. It, it is astonishing to me that we live in a country where Colin Kaepernick can take a knee during the national anthem and they'll call it disrespectful, unpatriotic, and yet we have people who are going to show up and flagrantly display white supremacy and racism and hate, and we're going to call that free speech. And it blows my mind. That, my friends, is unpatriotic. It, is, it, is, it, is, it blows my mind that our country fought against Nazis 
and fought against a confederacy that was seeking to keep people in bondage, and yet people are still flying those flags like there's something to be proud of. No, these are not the same thing. You might, yeah, sure, free speech, sure, whatever. But do not dare go comparing a Black Lives Matter march to what happened in Charlottesville. It's disgraceful. These two things are not the same, friends. These aren't just people using their right to assemble in the free speech. These are two fundamentally different ideologies. And as baptized people who believe that God created all people in God's image, we must stand and fight against anything that would demean or strip another person of their dignity, self-worth, or denounce the divine image that is present in every single created being. That is not up for negotiation, fam. This is not a talking point or a discussion to be had. There are no buts about this. You are either for the collective liberation of all people or you are not. Some folks are saying that we shouldn't be angry, but that we should respond in love. And yeah, I get that. (laughs) But I want to say this, like, anger is a natural reaction, or at least it should be. And if you're not angry, I'm wondering if you're paying attention. Anger in and of itself is not a bad thing. Anger, for many people, myself included, is the jumpstart to many an engine. It is the thing that kicks us in the ass to say, yeah, you should have been working on this sooner. We should have been working on this sooner. Jesus was outraged when the empire erected itself in the temple and kept people from God. He flipped tables. And so if Jesus can get angry about something, I think a healthy dose of anger is not the worst thing in the world. Now, this does not mean taking my anger out on anyone. It does not mean calling people names. It does not mean running my car into a group of white supremacists as retaliation. But it does mean speaking up. It does mean taking, talking, excuse me. It does mean talking to my white friends and family about this topic. It does mean showing up to a Black Lives Matter march, to a women's march, for showing up for indigenous lives, for rallies against the Dakota Access Pipeline. It does mean talking to my church and asking the hard questions of why they haven't said more about this. It does mean holding my clergy accountable for what they say from the pulpit. It does mean checking in on my POC friends. It does mean making a podcast or a blog or a video or a post or whatever it is that you do in order to be a visible ally for justice. You can be angry, and you should be angry, and you should channel that into something productive, friends, because at the end of the day, if you're not speaking up, there are no bystanders in this. There are no bystanders when it comes to movements of justice, when there's lives on the line. This is the last thing I want to talk about. I do believe that there's space at the table for every single person, my enemies included. But... There is no space at the table for white supremacy. I talk a lot about wanting to build a bigger table, about wanting to create space for everyone, even my enemies, and yes, and I, I, I believe that with all of my heart. I believe that God loves every single one of those white supremacists out there, as hard as it is for me to admit that. That God wants the same liberation for me as every single person I saw in pictures holding torches this week, and God wants them to be free. But the attitude that I should let someone abuse me or my friends is out of the question. The attitude that I should turn the other cheek is not, is not like that. That whole illustration is, is, is meant to 
hold up a mirror to systems of oppression. It is meant to say, I am on the same level as you, so don't tell me just to simply turn the other cheek, to not react in anger, just to simply love, and love's going to fix everything. Yes, love can fix everything, but love in action means we have to do something. I'm not going to let myself be abused. I'm not going to let my friends be abused. And that's also not a matter of debate. Anything that would seek to destroy the lives or livelihood of my friends, my people, has zero place in the kingdom of God. It has zero place in our homes. It has zero places in our churches. And one might even say, actually, it does have a place in our church. And if it does, it's time to root it out. It's time to start having conversations with your family, with your parents, with your brothers and sisters and siblings with your churches, with your clergy people. It is time. Actually, wait, we're out of time. We've been out of time for a while. We have to call this out every single day in every single person, even me. I need people to look at my life and my actions. And people have, in very recent months, looked at me and said, Kevin, what you're doing is taking advantage of of black women. And I had to, to take a step back and realize, like, I am complicit I have in many ways been complicit because I was raised white and I'm very white passing. I stand to benefit from this. And so every single day I want to work to deconstruct how I was raised to be more visibly queer so that I can't. I do not want to benefit from that. I want to be breathing the same air as my friends of color. I want to know what the water quality is like. I want to know what they're feeling, what they're fearing. And I want to be there to stand with them when they need it the most. We need to start calling this out. We need to call out our churches, our clergy, our worship, our church programming. Because there is no time. We have been out of time for a while now because people are dying. People are homeless. People are hungry. People are in need of something better. And to simply stand by and say, we just need to love people. To stand by and say, we need to wait on God. That is saying that there's nothing that we can do and that there's, but my friends, there's so much that we can do. We are God manifest on this earth. We are the hands and feet of Christ. And if Christ said that we would do even greater things than in his time, what are we waiting on? Jesus in his time on the earth did not dismantle the empire because I believe that Jesus empowered us to do that. Because Jesus, in his physical form, was simply one person who was inspiring a, 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 a 2,000 years of evolving ideas around what it meant to be family and what it meant to seek justice. So what are we going to do, church? What are we going to do? Jesus did say to love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, and I don't know how to do that today. I don't know how to love my enemies because my enemy has a face and a torch and a car that they want to run my friends over with. I do believe that love is real, and I do know that despite the flagrant display of racism and white supremacy in Charlottesville, that love is still stronger than hate. I know that that this group of people, I know that they are the minority. They just have a really, really loud microphone. I know that despite all that is happening, God is still winning, good is still advancing, and the world is becoming a more loving, more inclusive, more beautiful in space. And, but I know, I know that to be true because you exist. This is not a time to feel helpless, to feel shocked, 
this is not a time to go into a retreat mode or this is a time that we need to get up and do something. This is a time to say something. This is a time to use your voice, however small you feel like it is, to start a conversation and begin the healing work. It begins with you and me and our communities and our churches saying, Dear God, what have we been doing? What have we been missing? It is time to listen to people of color, to women, to immigrants, to queer folks, and say, what do we need to do? We have so many people that if we would just listen to the people in our own congregations, they would be able to tell us exactly what we need to do. It's, it feels like a no-brainer sometimes, and yet so complicated because of church policy and church politics. Get beyond that. It's time to get beyond that. It's time to get beyond the white supremacy that would keep us from saying the hard thing in churches. It is time for our pastors to start standing up and calling out this white supremacy bullshit. Ugh. I'm mad. I'm mad and I'm upset and I I still feel hopeful. Because I have seen what happens when organized religion organizes around the right thing with the right people at the helm. So I'm hopeful. I'm going to leave you with two things. The first is something that um, a friend and someone who I look up to, someone who inspires me, wrote. It's, it's from the Reverend Broderick Greer, and he said this on Twitter. The violence and logic of white supremacy were on full display last night in Charlottesville. Chad and Madison Crow, who are the grand, or Jim and Jane Crow's grandchildren, let the world know that they're ready to fight to keep their family legacy alive. What they fail to remember, however, is that I also have a family legacy to keep alive. And that family, that legacy is resistance. That legacy is standing up when others will not. That is speaking truth to power. That is getting in the face of the empire and saying, you can crucify me on a cross, but I'm still going to rise up three days later. That's the legacy church. That's the legacy. So the last thing I'm going to leave you with is a, a prayer from the booklet of Uncommon Prayer by Kenji Kuramitsu, um, created from Evangelicals for Social Action. Um, and it's a prayer against white supremacy. So um, wherever you are, you can close your eyes or you can lift up your hands, whatever you need to do, but um, pray this with me. Healer God, whose church predates the doctrines of white supremacy by more than a thousand years. Empower us with words and wisdom to confront all racial divisions sown by colonizers and cultural elites. Teach us, alongside all your saints, to remember our people, all people in our bones, to stitch their hymns and heritage into our hearts, Help us reconnect with the cultural heritage that birthed us instead of the violent racial categories which we have been forced into. All this we pray in the strong name of Jesus, the one who sets the captives free, the one who speaks a better word, the one who says that death is not the final word, the one who says, you don't understand what I'm doing now, but someday you will. Amen.
Go with God this go with God today, my friends. Be encouraged. As as easy it is to despair, as easy it, as easy as it is to let anger take over. Let the anger live. Give the anger a voice. And then channel that into something. Um Yeah. That's all I have to say. Thank you again for listening to another episode of A Tiny Revolution, a little mini episode. Um if you have any prayers um, that you need prayer for, if you have any feelings, go ahead and comment. This uh, podcast is available on my blog, thekevingarcia.com. I would love to have a discussion with you there. Uh, but until next time, thank you so much, and I will talk to you soon. Mwah.